You're listening to episode 265 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with the Netflix series Dark. We are recording on Labor Day morning, so we're still working for you guys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we don't, we don't take a day off. Well, we take plenty of days off, but, you know, we just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They probably don't even have Labor Day in any other country. Maybe Canada, but probably not even there. So yeah, everybody well, I know they have working. like bank holidays in uh, in England and Europe and everything. So I think they're kind of like the same thing. Yeah, I still haven't figured out exactly what Boxing Day is, but I know it exists in just Canada. I guess. Well, yeah, I know, but what is it? What is it? You know, I mean, is it like you box up the stuff you don't want and take it back to the store? I, I don't know. I probably. Yeah, or you're, you know, had it with hanging out with your relatives for a whole day, so you just fight. <laughs> right. So, all right. Well, anyway, uh, we got a lot to talk about. And uh, as always, like to hear from you, sci fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave a voicemail, record your own audio clip, send us the MP3, tweet us at sci fi TV rewatch, or consider joining the Facebook group if you're not already a member there. All right. So, because we have so much to talk about, we're not going to do a tip of the week this time, but Fred has us covered in his weekly feedback. So you guys are going to get your tip this time just from the Netherlands instead of the U.S. So, All right. All right. So it saves us the trouble. Exactly. So All we right. are so taking this, a little bit off. Yes. So this is Dark Episode 8, Season 1, As Ye Sow, So Shall Ye Reap. Written by Martin Benke and Yante Frisia, who also wrote 104 Double Lives and 105 Truths, as always, directed by Baron Bo Odar. And dude, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I mean, certainly yeah. one of the things that that we've suspected for a while, I think we have it established here, is that time is a loop, everything is connected. There seem to be three timelines that coexist with the cave as a station of sorts, right? 1953, 86 and 2019. Right. It's like that what was it, well, I can't remember what the, what uh, Tan house called that little symbol, but you know, that everything it's all connected like these three dimensions, right? The past, the present and the future. And they're all connected and all, um, you know, affect each other. As we see here, a number of cases where, people are actually creating the future in the past. Exactly. And and that point has been made several times that time is not linear. I mean, certainly as time travel aficionados, we and, and the listeners have seen plenty of stories where somebody from the future comes back to the past to change the future. Right. But, yeah, in, in this case, a grade A blunderer like Ulrich uh, goes into the past and uh, basically single-handedly is, is making the future himself, right? Well, it right, really kind that, of boils down to Ulrich. But that's sort of the question. Had Ulrich killed Helga in, in 1953, would that have changed anything in the 1986 and 2019 timelines? Yeah. I'm not sure. I, or what I'm if still he didn't? Little... What if he never attacked them? What if he, let's say, didn't leave his cell phone back in Tan House's store? You know, like, I mean, he, he's a, a one-man time wrecking crew. <laughs> Not to mention that he's back to his old, well, I don't know that they ever left, but uh, his action 
reaction to everything, which, uh, you know, instead of keeping things around a five, he turns it up to 11 right from the start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like upon realizing that you are in the past, you might maybe tread a little bit more careful, you know. But not draw attention to yourselves. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like not in Ulrich's kind of, that's not how he rolls. No. Now, where is 2019 Helga? I mean, we know he went in, but where did he go and what is he doing? Yeah, well, it seems like uh, Ulrich lost him in the caves there. So uh, whether, you know, I mean, he might have gone back to 86, you know. Well, well, that's true. Uh, he he could have just turned back. I mean, or he could have, not, right, exactly, not gone anywhere. Uh, exactly. Right. Now, the other thing, are we to believe that all of this started after the power plant incident in 86? I, I, again, I, I don't know that we get an answer, but that's sort of what is implied. Yeah. What what, what power plant incident? Um, the, the I don't know. There was some kind of overload. Uh, you know, when Tanhouse is talking to the stranger and, and they're talking about, you know, how the how the portals actually get opened and, and the stranger mentions a power plant incident and that the machine will be able to replicate that incident. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. now, now the other thing I found interesting, 1953 Egon Tideman is vastly different than the policeman we know in 86. He seems to actually care about his job and treats Ulrich with the understanding that, really is required to calm this guy down during that confrontation. And, and it's just, I mean, yeah, I understand he's much younger. He's probably still relatively new in his career, but it was really a, a nice contrast to the Egon that we've pretty much had presented to us all along the way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's young. Uh, he's, you know, I mean, here, here's actually something that I thought about is that, especially with seeing Egon with the policeman's uniform on, that, you know, it's at least to me as an American, can't help but recall those Nazi uniforms, right? Sure. I mean, I'm sure it's just, you know, it's just a, a German police uniform, but with those big things on the neck, I mean, to to me, I'm just like, well, that's you know, that really, and and it's only eight years after the war. So Egon is very likely someone who served in World War II. All these people, uh, you know, lived through World War II. So that's not explicitly stated at any point, but I just can't help thinking that, that um, here's people, basically, this is a country and people just recovering from a, you know, tremendous trauma. Yeah. So, um, so, but, but yeah, Egon is, is, is way different. And, and how funny is that to have him and Ulrich facing off once again, but now Ulrich is the older man and, uh, and Egon is younger and, and certainly they're, uh, rela- though, though it seems like for Ulrich, the relationship is not much changed. Like when he kind of finds out it's Egon, he still bristles a little bit. Yeah, and we see a few of those in this episode. So, all right. Well, before we started recording, you asked me if I knew the Shakespeare quote and its origins, and you know you can deal with that uh, when the time comes. But uh, we are presented with the idea of wormholes 
and the Einstein-Rosen Bridge, which again comes up in time travel stories quite a bit, but it's a speculative structure that links separate points in space and time. And it's, I think, that image that we saw on the stranger's little photo board there at, at one point, but it can be visualized as a tunnel with two ends. But as the stranger in his conversation with Tanhouse brings up, it's not only time, but it's space. Now, we haven't really seen anybody travel spatially yet, and I wonder whether or not we will. Yeah, no, uh, right. Everything seems to be taking place in the same, in Winden, you know, and, and literally actually, you know, at the entrance of the cave and the, the exit of the cave or whatever. So, yeah, def- we have not seen uh, spatial movement, but uh, t- loads of, of time movement and everything. I mean, it's just so trippy just to even, like, bring in 1953 all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and also, according to Einstein, Rosen, these distances could be as much as a billion light years apart or short distances, even just, you know, a few meters in terms of space. But again even wormholes are just theoretical at this point so that was thrown out there and where would science fiction be without the concept of wormholes so i mean uh, of course so all right well why don't we take a look at at the a story which finds 2019 ulrich in 1953 with younger versions of egon Tideman and helga doppler and the first thing we see is that discovery of the two dead bodies and young helga riding his bike home from school and i'm wondering right away whether or not this is the forest road that that we've heard so much about although i guess the the visuals that we see in 1953 where uh, winden is not built up as much as it is in in 2019 so you know maybe there's there's a lot of forest roads so to speak yeah, well, but I, we I definitely get the sense that you're right that it's it is the forest road because they kind of make a that that shot of him riding his bike along as he's singing on his bike. Uh yeah, they kind of point that out uh you know to us and like we said there's really nothing that happens in the show is done without purpose. So, you know, I, I, I'm thinking that they're harkening back to here's Helga going along the same path he does in the future and everything. Right. But also it's the place where the bodies were found. I know that's apparently that's where they're going to build the, the power plant. But it also, to me, looks like that, you know, that field where, you know, Jonas uh, woke up in the, that, like, the watchtower or whatever – I, it's like I, I just feel like we've seen that field before, but again, you know, I'll leave it up to Fred to go back and find the screen caps on that one to let me know whether I'm right or not. Well, yeah, and, and the two boys are dressed in, as the policemen say, costumes, which we know are clothes from the '80s, and. I think right away we suspect the redhead with the burgundy jacket is Eric, and, and the question is who's the other boy. And I think it's most likely Yassin. And you mentioned yeah. Fred. And, and he sends us the most amazing photo screen caps where he's making comparison. He's drawing little circles. And 
I got to figure out how to put them in the Facebook group or, or Fred, maybe you could put them in after this uh, episode airs because they really answer a lot of these little nagging questions that, that we all have. So that certainly helps us along the way. But then we see young Helga arrive home and, and clearly the Dopplers are rich. And at first I thought, well, is this the hotel that, you know, Regina Tideman runs, but right. no, this is just this huge, just really big house. Imagine, but geez, what'd you think of mom and her reaction to him? Oh, mom is not, not good. She is a uh, very, even like, you know, Egon, even to Egon, she's very cold and forbidding. So yeah, she, she is, she's, she's a piece of work, you know, um, you know, like the whole, Right away, she seems like has a very negative attitude towards her her son, and you know, making him take his clothes off right away because he's got some dirt on him and everything. It's humiliating him, and she's always have her arms crossed and everything. So, also, I mean, we've seen Burn Doppler, but you know, she's not around in '86 that we know of. That you know, um, and, you know, like there's other characters that we see back in '53 who are not around. And, you know, we talked about Ega and his wife is also not around in 86, um, which could play a big part of the difference in character with, with Egon. So, right. We see burned when Claudia takes over at the power plant, right? That, mm-hmm. That's right. Right. The little change of power, but you know, it's almost as if she enjoys humiliating her son getting to him to the point where he's standing there in his underwear and while his underwear is probably even more so than some of the shorts kids wear today and and shirts still you can see that the kid is embarrassed and again like he rode his bike he he maybe stepped off his bike for how dirty could he have been yeah it didn't look like super dirty right no and then but but mom's looking for that yeah yeah, and then dad gets home from work and, and greets his son warmly. And, you know, clearly the kid has a good relationship with dad. He starts telling him immediately about the bodies and the police at the site, which, of course, sends dad running back to the site. And then mom asks him, you're not lying? He's like, no. Right. So I, I, I don't know if he has a reputation for lying to his mom all the time. Or telling tall tales we don't know but because she's so weird in, in the scenes we see her we don't really know what to make of that statement you know again now there there is in the spoiler section we can talk a little bit more about you know her motivation or whatever but uh yeah and especially when we see burn come in and how warm he is with helge um you know it it makes her coldness even more apparent right yeah. You know, it's funny not to get off topic here, but with the with the audio in English, you'll hear some characters call him Helga and some call him Helge. So I don't know what the correct pronunciation is and if that was just a slip up or there's multiple ways of pronouncing it. But Right. I noticed that they were saying Helge in this episode and that's I assume that's most likely a, um, you know, it, it could be a continuity uh, error uh, yeah or, yeah a dubbing issue you know whatever that didn't do a, a great job with that so yeah okay so then we see the medical examiners got the two boys bodies laid out 
and explaining what he's found to Egon and, and another guy. And of course, we see the the burned eyes, and we're not surprised when he mentions about their ears are destroyed. But when he brings out that they both had the red string with the coins from 1986 around their necks, now things get creepy. And how awesome is it when he mentions the labels inside their clothes? Yeah, right. They're like made in China, and they're like, hmm, yeah, like very Cold War suspicious type thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you know, you mentioned that this is only eight years after the end of World War II, and while China certainly played a role in the Second World War, it was not a major role. But as we're trying to identify the kids, the ME says that one looks Arabian or Mediterranean and has a weird tattoo. And I'm not sure which one had the tattoo, which was some kind of animal breathing it, a rainbow. It, it was, yeah, it was like a, yeah, like a unicorn uh, either breathing or vomiting a rainbow. I assume that Eric, uh, because I, I figure probably at, at this point, I, I, I assume that these two bodies are Eric and, and Yazin, right? I would think um, so. I mean, we know it's it's not Mads. Um, that, that's the thing. I mean, like we, we say because Mads is in 2019, but you know he could have been in both places. But yeah, I, I think uh, it, it's and I know Fred. I haven't actually. I have to admit, Fred. I'm sorry. This time I didn't get a chance to read your feedback. Um, but uh, I, I know he touches on this, and we'll, you know we'll see what he says about it. But I'm pretty sure it's it's you know Yazin. And well, the one kid's got red hair, so. It's clearly Eric, right? Yeah, and the clothes match as well. Right. And, and, and again, Fred points that out in his uh, feedback and, and through the photographs. But the other thing that was fascinating is we, we get a little bit of a philosophic Egon who asks why someone would kill. And I think what he's getting at is that whole nature versus nurture idea and is somebody a born psychopath or mm -hmm. do they learn to be a psychopath? Which, yeah, yeah. you know, is not something we expect out of Egon, but again, this is younger Egon. Exactly. And he is, you know, I don't want to say necessarily naive, but, you know, not hardened by the job where things like this cause him to wonder and question. Whereas, you know, 86 Egon Teitelman is more jaded and probably doesn't really ask why people do things. He just assumes that everyone is terrible, uh, especially Ulrich, and that, uh, you know, that everyone has ulterior motives. Now, I was just going to say it's interesting because we see him 33 years later totally jaded about his job and – you know, look, I worked my job a long time. You've been in your job a long time. I, I, I don't think either of us got that jaded. I mean, we certainly got realistic about certain things, but we learned how to maneuver and navigate the system so that so that we could, you know, enjoy our work. So whatever right. it is about him, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I also see even in 86, the one thing that seems to be the same is he is he he does ask questions, right? Like when he sees well, Jonas, true. he's like, like, what are those? And do, is Satanism a thing? So he still wonders about things, but it's just, as you said, he's just so like, you know, and, and again, what, what happened? Uh, I think, I, I feel like Ulrich says something to him about his wife 
at some point, maybe. Um, I can't remember. And so I'm not going to go too deep into that. But certainly his we don't see his wife around in 86. So is that part of the reason why, you know, he is he is like that when he's older, you know? Yeah, could be. Now, the other interesting thing that pops up here is that Bern Doppler is obviously concerned that his project may be delayed and they're already dealing with the public perception about whether or not nuclear fission is safe and is going to be good in the long run. But he suspects that the coal operators are behind these two bodies <laughs> and have been planted there. And and you just laughed. And, and of course, that's what we're thinking. But in 1953, in his mind, it's probably a reasonable thing to consider. Yeah, but yeah, well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, like, is, is the coal industry, you know, is this how they're going to get you? by killing two kids and dumping their bodies in the place where you're going to build. It's like, that doesn't really seem to scan very well, you know, but if you're paranoid, it's in the, in the era of quote unquote fake news, you know, we're used to this kind of stuff all the time, but, uh, but yeah, it just seems like, if, you know, if the coal industry were after you, that, that there's probably maybe better, more effective ways of discrediting you. Good point. So, all right. Now we mentioned, 2019 Ulrich has traveled to 1953 and and it starts by following Helga into the cave he finds that little guide string and he's only got his lighter I'm not sure about the science behind all of that but uh, how his lighter doesn't go out I don't know how he doesn't (laughs) burn his fingers I don't know but Regardless, Why does he have a lighter? We haven't seen him smoke or anything. Yeah, that was the other thing I, I thought about. And, and the other thing I thought about is that lighter that Mickle steals off of yeah, Egon's. Egon, right. Yeah, his desk in 1986. So, again, mm. is it related? I don't know. But is it? I wonder if it's the same lighter. Yeah, I started thinking that as well. I didn't think now, about that. That's a good now, one. Helga leaves the cabin and and i guess it's still that same cabin we've heard about and and i don't know the the scene with the two older boys where they attack him and then the one pisses on him yeah like i mean i mean he doesn't seem like a kid that lords his wealth over people i mean you never know or or, or, are people just jealous of the Dopplers in this town, but yeah, well, here's my take on this, and this kind of ties in with what I said. Like so, recently after World War II, is that I mean, we're eight years out, and the Dopplers are doing very well, right? Sure. Uh, in a country that suffered a lot, um, you know, the Dopplers seem to have come out of it okay. So that would surely build resentment in those who did not who are still suffering the effects who are still you know you know basically who are are not doing okay so is you know is that part of it i I don't know but this i just thought that when they were picking on him it's like you know well or what i thought the whole time really from the minute i saw the dopplers is that for being eight years after world war ii the dopplers don't seem like they've really suffered any ill effects um except for of course burn um you know, w- w- walking with the cane and a limp and everything. Right. Um, 
but but yeah, I, I mean, it, it's he's just a, a little kid too. Like, I mean, yeah, you know, like it's one thing to like. I mean, it's not okay to pick on a little kid at all, but then to you know to pee on him, like seriously, like <laughs> what's that about? Right now, a, a couple of questions: What's he doing at the cabin? And you know, when Ulrich is kind of uh, approaching, the boys see him and they run off. And you know, he comes over and asks if he saw an old man in pajamas, which obviously is is great because this is the younger version of that older man in pajamas but he tells him next time to fight back and it still goes back what's he doing at the cabin it just seems like he's there to play but uh, you know is it to get away from his mother i I don't know well he's you're supposed to be going to claudia for math tutoring right um so it seems like he just kind of takes a um, you know, a, a side trip. So, I mean, this is the point, I guess we can talk about Helga at this age versus Helga in 86 and Hel- Helga, Helge in um, 2019 is that, you know, it, it seems like he is certainly a, a singular individual, right? He is different than other people. And we see that even as a kid, um, even before he is almost killed by Ulrich, we see that he's he's different than than other kids, and you know that's unfortunately uh, people who are different and who are stand out and who don't like act and dress like everybody else. They tend to get you know picked on and bullied, which is really a shame. So I th- you know I think that's part of it. Um, but yeah, you know, he goes and you know, we see this kid like basically by himself. You know, like he goes to play, like you said, he's playing like soldier. Uh, down the bunker all by himself and it's you know in a way he's just being a kid in the way it's kind of sad too yeah yeah no no question and the thing about it is one of the questions that that keeps coming up is whether we're in this repeatable time loop so that you know you mentioned him being you know kind of weird as a child and you know maybe we can understand that since he's by himself apparently most of the time his mother acts as she acts but you know maybe the older helga that we see in 86 you know isn't that way because of his experiences in the cave he's just that way because that's how he's always been so right right exactly and we see with the the math homework that okay so helga is not really you know we know he's kind of simple-minded in the future, so you know it doesn't seem like he's that super bright uh, in in the past either. No, no. Now, as Ulrich's walking along the road, and, and you, you kind of get the sense that he's looking around. It's like, okay, I know what road is supposed to be here, but th- you know, it certainly was paved better or whatever. You know, so he he's kind of getting his bearings, and we can see him looking around and. A car stops and a woman asks for directions. And this is obviously a really pivotal scene in the episode. Mm -hmm. And she gives him an address and he says, well, I live there. And I'm wondering whether he just means that I live in the area. So go down there and turn right. Not that I live at that specific address. He literally means I live at that specific address. Okay. So if we take that line of thinking, then it, it seems almost a little odd that he wouldn't maybe want to follow up with that but i guess he's got other things on his mind 
And in fact, at first, when he says that, she asks if he's Egon Tideman. And we learn that she's Agnes Nielsen. She's got her son, Tronte, in the car. We're new in Wyndon, introduces Tronte to Ulrich. And then we hear Tannhaus's little voiceover. Imagine traveling back in time and meeting your own father before you even existed. And this is where he's like, well, what year is this? Mm-hmm. And I always love it whenever somebody asks that. You know, n- nobody acts like that's a ridiculous question. <laughs> but, right, right. Yeah, you know, I, 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 absolutely. And, you know, it's it's funny because we've seen three people now travel back in time and experiencing that disorientation. Um, it seems like Ulrich cottons on a little bit quicker than, uh, well, you know, Mikkel, it took him a while before he figured out what was going on. And then Jonas, it took him a little bit longer. And, and then Ulrich now kind of uh, sorts it out. But again, you know, the, the thing is, Ulrich was kind of already going there, you know, with all his research that this kind of idea that there's something time-wise going on. But uh, but yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, if, if someone probably, some stranger wearing a weird-looking jacket with his face all bloodied up, asked me what year it was, I'd probably be like, okay, uh, let's get back in the car. (laughs) Right. And if we're buying into this 33-year cycle or time loop in which actions repeat themselves, then Ulrich meets his father, Tronte, and later his mother, Yana, in in Townhouse's shop, just as Mikkel sees his parents in 1986. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, yeah, and, it's and it's obviously disorienting, right? And um, especially when your grandmother's kind of hot too. You know, I mean, that's got to well, throw you off a little bit for a guy like Ulrich, right? <laughs> well, well, right. But these are repeatable events, and I, I, again, and there are going to be some others that I'll bring up as well. But how he stops at the watchmaker and asks if he's HG Tanhouse. I mean, I, I don't know how he ends up there, but but he does shows him the book, which, of course, the guy hasn't written yet, and asks him what year it is as well. Now, because what we know about Tanhouse, I guess we can understand his reaction. Yeah, it's 1953. Why? When are you from? Yeah. <laughs> of, course, of course, he doesn't say that. But yeah, but you, you get a feeling like that's kind of in, in his mind, that you know, like the idea that uh, Ulrich could be from the future. He's probably, uh, Tanhouse probably reads a lot of science fiction. Right, right. And it's it's at this point, Ines comes in to pick up her father's watch, which is being repaired. And she and she has right Yana with her. And and when Ulrich hears her name, he recognizes and I think he even mumbles mama. Yeah, he does. He says mama. Yeah. At one point. But the big takeaway here is that they mentioned the two boys found dead. and, And of course, that sends Ulrich off half cocked as usual does this guy never learn but he goes to the police station does his usual crazed demanding information routine and he quickly learns from Egon who de-escalates you know this this situation a bit neither boy is Mikkel and then he asks about Helga Doppler and Again, he's getting his bearings and, oh, yeah, Helga Doppler, he's, you know, eight years old or whatever he is. And he says, no, 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 he's older. And, you know, so he's starting to put things together. And the fact that he's 
1953 is starting to sink in, I think, for old Ulrich. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, you know, so you've already met your father and your grandmother. So you travel in the past, Ulrich, right? So do you, A, uh, hunt down the guy whose book is in your pocket and then leave your 2019 cell phone in this watchmaker's office or do you be like not do that stuff, right? But Ulrich, yeah, he's just like, I mean, God bless him. It's well, I don't know if we should say God bless him because he tries to kill a kid in this one. So you know, Ulrich is is this guy that you know we just you you kind of want to root for him, but you kind of can't, you know. And he and like really, he seems to be. And we talked about this last time. It's like the 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 pivotal element in all this. Him going back to the past, and he sees the the inscription on the door says, "Thus the world is created." Right? It, it seems like Ulrich is really the one who's making this happen. Yeah, yeah, I certainly think that's a, a viable way to look at things. And and you know, again, I guess we'll see as we move forward. But we see Helga with his little wooden box and his dead birds and Ulrich approaches him, asks if he's Helga Doppler and he shows him the coin on the string. And he says, did you find that man you're looking for the old man in the pajamas? Right. And, and he says, we're thinking like, yeah, he did. And then he shows him the dead birds. And of course, Ulrich, the first thing he asked, did you kill them? And then tells him that they just fell dead from the sky but then they're beautiful when they're dead. Uh, it goes back to what we were saying a few minutes ago about this strange little child here, and you know whatever has made him child, uh, whatever has made him strange, whether nature or nurture. The fact that he grows up as he does isn't a surprise. But 1953, Helga Doppler collects the dead birds, just as his daughter-in-law. 1986 charlotte does Mm -hmm. as a child so again you know that whole idea of things repeating themselves it's it's almost like the show is toying with us trying to say oh well look helga is a monster you know because like that's like this i I don't know if it's actually a thing but certainly people think that you know serial killers are people who start off by torturing animals or killing animals or stuff like this so we're like oh well look at that see he's killing birds clearly this guy is off clearly he's a serial killer in the making but then he didn't kill him you know he's just collecting them. i mean that's still kind of weird and frankly gross but it's you know it's not he's not doing it so you know, in that case, he's just a little kid who's curious and, as we said, strange. I mean, there's no question about it. Helge, uh, in all three decades, is off. You know, he's not like everyone else. But the, does that warrant what uh, what uh, Ulrich does is the question then. Well, no. And, and Ulrich, his pronouncement that you will kill something, I mean, Ulrich doesn't know that. Right. But that's his mindset that you killed my son, so I'm going to kill you so that you won't be around to kill my son. So we we get the whole time travel implications. But you mentioned, and I agree with you, that 
he doesn't seem like he's very smart because those math problems, we get a quick glimpse and they're, they're pretty simple multiplication problems for a child his age, yet he gets the bulk of them wrong. However, he senses immediately what Ulrich is getting at and he starts running through the woods with Ulrich in pursuit. And then we have that horrific scene yeah. in which Ulrich takes a rock and he momentarily hesitates, but I'm just so glad they don't show more than they actually show. Yeah. I think they did a good job of presenting how just horrific it is and giving us some idea of why Helga's ear looks as it does now in, in 86 and beyond. But mm-hmm. uh, just the, the, the fact that Ulrich has been driven to this point, it, it's just hard to understand. I, I mean, has he just completely lost his mind? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's it. He is just, he is completely off the rails, out of control, you know, because this is, you know, he, 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 what he kill, tries to kill. I mean, he, if, to his mind, killed uh, a kid, you know. And again, his reasoning to get there is is not good, you know. Like the whole, well, you killed. Well, d- did Helge kill Mads? I mean, that's your theory, I know. Uh, as a police officer, Ulrich, maybe you should have some actual proof, which he doesn't have but he's convinced himself so much and he's so driven and so like just emotional that you know this idea of proof or anything like that is is you know just doesn't even run through his mind you know well Um, yeah because as you said earlier i mean he is a good detective he does know how to follow the evidence and draw conclusions Yet here, he just abandons all reason. And I yep. guess you could argue that, well, his child is involved, but no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that doesn't make it okay. He just needs to, like, pause for a second, you know? Like, just to take a second and actually think about what you're doing. And that's just, oh, he just doesn't do that. He doesn't think about, it's like the whole thing. Like, his affair with Hannah is clearly he didn't think that through right didn't think about the implications just went with the moment right um and yeah. the same thing falling helge into the caves he doesn't really think about what he's doing he just does it well he accosts helge when he's in his hospital room well, it's not a hospital but you know in in his room he's an old man and you know Ulrich basically attacks him there it's just like he just doesn't pause to actually think about his course of action. And unfortunately, there's some looks like the the consequences are far in, in, in the fact is he's quite possibly creating the future he is so desperately trying to avoid. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, he notices the shelter, which still has a cot and some shelves in it. And, and that's where he drags uh, Helga's body. But then later we see him just sitting outside staring at the shelter. Oh, what's that all about? Is he contemplating whether or not he actually killed him? Should I go back in and see if he's still alive? What? But you're a policeman. Why are you still staying at the scene of the crime? I, I, I don't get that 
either. Yeah. But well, I, I think he's definitely experiencing regret there, though he obviously thinks what he did is is the right course of action. You know, again, to his mind, he just killed a little kid, and that even you know, like for Ulrich, it's it's obviously not not sitting too well with him. But yeah, but again, you're, like you're absolutely right. Why would you stay there? You just killed a person. Why would you stay at the scene of the crime unless you are not in your right mind? Right. Now you mentioned earlier Ulrich leaving his coat at uh, Tan Houses and, and the fact that his smartphone is in it, <clears throat> and we see Tan House go into his pockets and find it. And, and obviously, I think we're supposed to consider whether that smartphone plays a role in the device and working at some point but i guess i'm thinking okay 1953 that technology is so far beyond anything Mm -hmm. maybe he doesn't make sense of it until the early 80s i mean we don't know and one of the things that we will you know talk about when we talk about the stranger is when the stranger actually acquired that device and from whom did he acquire it? But Correct. Well, but, you know, it's clearly, you know, I mean, no doubt Tan House made that thing. And in 86, it is already made. So I don't know. How long would it take for you to reverse engineer a cell phone to create a time machine? You know, that might be about a 33-year span, you know. All right. Well, before we get to that, because they, they'll get their own little section in this discussion, uh, you know, we've got Egon Tideman and the arrival of Agnes Nielsen. And, you know, we already know that Helga is being tutored by Claudia. And, you know, you mentioned him playing, you know, with that stick almost as if he's playing uh, war, which, you know, you kind of alluded to this as devastated as Europe became you know because of the war and, and germany in particular i i just found it interesting that number one as you said that their police uniforms would have such a militaristic feel to them after the war but that a child would be playing war so i i, I don't know maybe it's just i'm reading right. too like much into it maybe a little too soon right it's, it's- yeah but, uh, but kids are kids, though, still, right? And, um, you know, for him, he's like, what, maybe 11 years old? I don't know. Did we get an age on him here? I, I, I know. Uh, I, always, I always depend on you being able to uh, determine <laughs> well, a- I, approximate ages. I, I, I feel like they, they mentioned somewhere very quickly how old he is in, like, 86. I think they said, like, I, I can't remember. But anyway, so he's... I clearly not older than 13 uh, or not young between, I would say between 11 and 13, I would, I would say in there. So he's, you know, he's, but he's a kid, he's a kid, he's a boy. Um, He wasn't very old when the war was uh, taking place. In fact, he was probably just a baby. So he has no real concept of it. He probably doesn't really remember anything about it. Um, and so playing soldier and war, though, we would say maybe it is too soon. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, he, he, you know, all these kind of 
things should have, you know, but it's still a kid. The kid, the kid's a kid and the, they're going to like taking sticks and pretending they're guns and pine cones, pretending they're hand grenades and everything. It's just, you know, it's just a yeah. kid. Yeah. Now, Agnes and Tronte arrive and they're going to rent a room in uh, the Tideman house. And, and Agnes says her husband's dead. And of course, one of the things we'll consider. Well, is whether or not she didn't say dead. Well, what does she say? She, no, says, she says like, no, she said he's like moved. Uh, she uses some euphemism that can mean dead, but doesn't necessarily mean dead. Okay. Um, I, I, like moved was, on or something like that, but I, I can't remember. Okay. And it's probably, obviously, the um, the, the original German. It, it's going to be something, but I, I think probably even in the original German, she says some kind of euphemism that could mean dead or could mean just you know that just alive but not in their in their lives anymore. Well, the other thing we have to contend with is that the English dub doesn't always coincide with the English subtitles. I, mm-hmm. I can tell you that from experience, but so what's she saying the subtitles? Well, I have in my notes that that Agnes says her husband's dead. Now, I, I guess I would have to go back and check on right. that again. So, so, right. so we'll leave that. Uh, I'm, this, I'm sure this, somebody will catch us on that. It's like the mother issue from from Jonas, man. This all, right. all coming back to haunt us, right? But uh, Claudia is showing Tronte around. Helga's tagging along and, and they come to the caves. And then did you notice when, when they are leaving, she leaves with Tronte arm in arm. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, Helga is clearly jealous. And I can't help but thinking about younger Hannah in right. high school. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that jealousy. And, and while Hannah then takes it out on Ulrich and Katerina by accusing him of having raped Katerina, here takes the stick throws it into the cave so her dog will go in and chase it and i guess i'm thinking all right since the dog didn't open one of the doors why doesn't the dog come out right yeah yeah exactly um but still it is you know cool. well the act is meaningful the fact that he's thinking about doing that in, in the same way that hannah acts by accusing ulrich yeah Absolutely right. It, it is a cruel, meaningless act. In well, not meaningless in in that it doesn't mean anything for the show. But in other words, he didn't. There was no reason for him to do it except for out of pure spite. Because as you said, he's clearly jealous uh, now that Tronte with his you know cool guy haircut is is in the scene, and Claudia definitely is immediately taken with him. So this is, again, where, like, this complex character of, of Helge, uh, on the one hand, as I've been saying this whole podcast, he's a, he's just a little kid and he's just a, a boy and, and we can't read into this and saying that as Ulrich draws to that conclusion that he's a killer in the future, a killer in the making that needs to be put down now. But then he does something like this, which is an unnecessarily cruel act with the dog. And we're like, well, you know, then that seems to speak to the other side of it, that he is, has this malicious, dark side to him. Yeah. Now, again, talking about dark sides, uh, when she discovers her dog missing, Egon goes to the Doppler home because they're hoping that maybe Helgi brought the dog home, and you know, because he found it or whatever. And, and 
as you said earlier, she's just as cold to Egon as she is to her son. And, and of course, we're thinking, like we said, what's her story? But then I guess it gets her thinking. She goes looking for Helga, finds his box on the ground, and seeing the birds seems to get her thinking, but we don't really know what it is she's thinking. I mean, is she worried that her son is missing? Is she worried that her son is a budding psychopath? I don't know. She doesn't look super worried. That nature versus nurture. You you don't think she looks worried? I don't, I don't know. Like she's hard because she's hard to read and she doesn't really show like a lot of emotions and everything. I don't know. She's uncrossed her arm. So maybe that's a thing. Well, I wonder if she's worried that maybe he killed the dog because he's got this box of dead birds. Now, whether or not she knows that the birds just fell out of the sky, you'd think, well, how could she not know that? That would seem to me to be something that everybody in the town would know because we see it in 1986 and 2019 and everybody knows. So it's, it's not that big a deal. I don't know if it's like widely reported back then because it seems like, you know, like Claudia, not Claudia, Charlotte, um, in 86 is like the only one who seems to really be noticing it. And just like here, uh, it looks like Helge is the only one who really is clued into this. Okay. Well, that's true. So, all right. Speaking about clued into, well, I'll just uh, really quickly before, because yeah. there's just to speaking with Egon, because I did notice this as, um, Ms. Uh, Doppler comes down the stairs. The, the the shot just shows her chest as she's coming down the stairs. So I, you know, from this, I think we're uh, that Egon's kind of looking at her chest as she's coming down, and this kind of also plays in, which maybe we'll talk about later, of his reaction to Agnes Nielsen, where um, you know he seems to be you know kind of checking her out. Well, why wouldn't he? Dude. Exactly. But I'm just saying that um so and, and we, we have his wife as well, who seems to be a very kind of docile, submissive type wife and, and Egon with you know po- possibly like a bit of a, a roving eye there, you know, maybe all this plays into something. So Well speaking about playing it into it, did you see when Egon's wife and Agnes are making up her bed? Yeah. And, and their hands touch and they're they're Again, maybe I'm reading into it something oh, I shouldn't I don't think be, you are. No, no, that's there for sure. I mean that I mean it's that that like you you're seeing what you're supposed to see. Okay. So uh, again in terms of affairs is is this going to be some sort of an affair in the making? A little brown chicken but, brown cow? Right. Right. But getting back to Agnes's husband we see that Tronte has those cigarette burns on yeah. his arm as if somebody deliberately put them there. Fred brings this up in his feedback as well. And we have to wonder because our first, I think, idea is that, well, it must be his father. And that's why the two of them left the father. But could it be his mother that's doing it? Yeah, absolutely. Is his, is his father not really dead? But if he is, did Agnes kill him? And are they on the run? I, I And we don't know, but I find that fascinating aspect of this story. Yeah, uh, that you know, that's something I don't think I really noticed it before I, I saw it this time. But those cigarette burns are they're really bad. And we see his relationship with his mother. It doesn't 
seem like he's looking at her with fear, right? Right. Like she seems True. definitely to be a protector. But I admit the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, wow. It's like, does this mean Agnes is some kind of like crazy lady who appears to be, you know, this on the outside, uh, this regular person, but really is this horrible child abuser. But I'm like, oh, wait, no, because they just, they, you know, his dad is not in the picture uh, one way or the other. Um, so clearly he, the father was abusing uh, Tronte and that's probably why they left and why they are hiding out in Wyndon. But, you know, your idea that Agnes maybe killed her husband is valid because, you know, like clearly Wyndon's a place to go if you want to kind of like get away from the rest of the world. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess we haven't really heard about Ulrich's grandfather, at least that I recall. But nah, but we hadn't heard about his grandmother until right now. Well, right. So, all right. Well, the stranger and H.G. Tanhouse discussing time theory in 1986, because the bulk of the episode obviously takes place in 1953. But we see these two talking time travel in 86. And in terms of preparing for the podcast, I don't know about you, but I had to constantly stop, take notes. Wait a minute. What did he say? Yeah. But, you know, as as we said at the beginning, they, they start talking about the Einstein-Rosen bridge and traveling through a black hole to another point in time or space. And it, it's the Trinity knot. That's that design you brought up at the beginning that we couldn't remember what it right. uh, what it was. But we also see the Trinity knot on that book that Noah is holding when we see him really briefly. And, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second as well. But the idea that the wormhole connects the past, the present, and the future is just, you know, pretty fascinating stuff. And, and it obviously is a source of a lot of our consternation trying to figure this show out. But when he gets into Nietzsche... Then it's like, oh God, you had to bring up Nietzsche. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, I will. I will fully admit to like just kind of like my eyes glazing over for most of this part because, um, yeah, it's it's th- this part probably. I feel like I could probably play it back a thousand times and still be like confused of as to what Tanhouse is is talking about here. Right, but I think the big takeaway though is when they're talking about the number 33 repeating itself and i believe it's the stranger that points out that it's also the age at which the antichrist's rule began and we immediately cut to noah standing before a church so Mm -hmm. what does that imply that he's the antichrist i i think that's a pretty obvious uh, thing that we're supposed to consider at this point i mean if if I never got the feel that that's where we were headed with this. I mean, a little bit at one point, but now I guess I have to reconsider that that theory. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The mentioning the word antichrist then showing Noah, I mean, yeah, clearly saying that, you know, suggestive that this guy is the antichrist. But yeah, you're right, like that kind of religious aspect that despite Noah being a priest, we haven't really gotten that. I don't, I don't necessarily think they're going to go there. 
I don't see this show becoming some kind of religious allegory, but I, I think just basically this idea of the Antichrist as this horrible person who is pure evil, which I don't even know if that really like. I mean, that's what we think of when we hear the word Antichrist, right? Oh, we just of think of, of someone who's pure evil, and so yeah, I, I don't really. Again, I could be wrong, but I don't. I don't see them going with full on this becoming some kind of war between you know like angels and devils and things like that uh, yeah i mean i'm not going to say i hope they don't go there because i guess if they do they'll handle it in such a way that we'll go like oh that was awesome but for now i agree with you mm-hmm. but the stranger is preoccupied with whether or not things can be changed Tanhouse claims that he started his journey, you know, wondering what the future would be like, I, I guess what the past would be like. But now he sees his journey as being in the present. I'm thinking like, well, dude, that's not a very exciting journey, just being in the present. But yeah. <laughs> compared to the past and the future. But again, can time be changed? And he asks, who decides each individual's purpose? God, free will, forever recurring cycle i mean are we trapped in this time loop and we can't get out how do we break the loop which seems to be what the stranger is asking so what is it he wants to change i mean is this again one of these let's change things so that this dark apocalyptic future doesn't happen like terminator the sarah connor chronicles or or dollhouse for that matter or mm-hmm. you know any of a number of shows it, it, is that it is he just does he want to break the loop to prevent that future from happening we don't know but certainly it's a question i, I mean the the strangers kind of disconnect in thinking here is n- really not any different than Ulrich's in that this idea that you can and what he wants it seems like some kind of affirmation that you can change the past but when the past and the future are interlinked as we see with Ulrich when you are as we see as you said in like Terminator and almost every time travel show ever created is the trying to change the past actually ends up bringing about the things you tried to change and that's kind of like the the paradox from oedipus as well right when you uh you know you you try to change your future you actually end up bringing it about ironically so so, this idea that stranger wants to destroy the wormholes like is that even possible you know especially when you don't know like the origin and and we get this whole thing the world is created in the caves there you know like somehow all this stuff has some origin point, you know, maybe are you the origin point? Um, you have to think of, you know, like, uh, but then on the other hand, does that mean w- with regards to time travel, you just throw up your hands and say, all right, well, forget it. You know, we can't change anything. So I'm just going to go and kick back and drink some beers while I'm watching football. Like, you know, that's probably not the other way to look at it either. Right. Now we've, we've talked about various characters asking what year is it? The stranger tells him, I come from the future. And he pulls out the device, asks Tanhouse to fix it. And and again, he claims it opens a portal and, and says that the device didn't create the 
wormhole. The incident at the power plant released a blast of energy, but that the device can repeat the process. I may have misread the meaning of what he's saying in this scene, but it's almost like you said he wants to close the wormhole, but I want to have the machine so that I can travel through time if I want to. And I may have just misread things from a science standpoint. I'm not sure. But as as you said, he's seen the future and wants to set things right. And you have to help me. Right. And then after he leaves, Tanhouse pulls down a seemingly identical device. And we see him side by side. Is it the same device from two different timelines? I'm assuming that it is. Yeah. Okay. So I mentioned earlier in the podcast, where did the stranger get his device? So, yeah. The, now the last well, it's thing just much want, older though, right? So he could have well, gotten yes, it. absolutely. And gotta, with time travel, you literally could have got. Well, I mean, it would have to be after eighty six uh, because you know here in eighty six, Tanhouse has it, but he could have gotten it at any time. Right. Exactly. Now the last thing I want to bring up uh, before we move on, and you know, you may have something else you want to bring up before we get to listener feedback, but you know, we see images of a weapons arsenal, some hand grenades, shells, what appears to be petrol in cans. And I'm not sure where it is. My first inclination is to think it's in the shelter, but then we see that photo web. And then I assume that's 2019 Claudia with long gray hair. And again, at first I thought she seemed to be like restrained in a chair, but now I'm thinking, no, she's just sitting there. Is this her photo wall? I, I I don't understand what I'm seeing in that scene, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, with all the weapons, um, for sure, I was like, wait, what? Because it's also, it looks like those potato basher uh, hand grenades from, you know, like the, from World War II. Right. So it's not like new tech, right? This is, this is older type weapons no idea where that is right i don't even know if it's the same place as um where the 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 picture wall is but we see in the picture and you said it is claudia and we are pretty sure it's claudia because as the the camera scans over the images we see the picture of claudia as a child in 86 and then this older woman which is the first we've seen i've said a couple of times like before you know claudia is not around in 2019 where is she well here she is in this wherever this place is staring at all these pictures on the wall connected by string which we've mentioned before it kind of looks a little crazy but but yeah i don't know if it's the same place as where all the, the weapons are right Right. Now you say where she is, I say when she when is. When she is, right, correct, right, right, right. As well as where. Um, so. Yeah, because like I said, I mean, she's not even mentioned uh, in 2019 at all. So yeah, where, when is she? Like, I, I mean, Claudia's looking, I mean, she's obviously looking like, you know, it doesn't look like life has been treating her well uh, wherever and whenever she is. All right, you got anything else you want to bring up before we get to the feedback? Well, I just thought it was funny how uh, when uh, Tanhouse picks up the uh, the phone and the picture <laughs> pops up and he like drops it, like what? 
Uh, I thought about that too. That come on, that startled you, but uh, yeah, I, because television exists at that point. I mean, granted, it's in its infancy, and plenty of people still don't have a television. But you'd think a watchmaker would at least be aware of it. And again, maybe not in Europe. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, but, but I mean, like you said earlier, like it's that tech is so far in the future. It's just like as to be almost inconceivable. But sure. Yeah. Um, one other thing, when Ulrich is going through the cave and there's that little iron ring in the floor that has the string on it, right? Like yeah. the Ariadne string. Uh, it's an Ouroboros, the, okay. the ring. You know, it's like the snake eating its own tail. Okay. So I just noticed so, that. I, was just, I, I don't know so. what to make. Well, except for the fact of, like, again, this idea that, you know, the past creates the future and everything is interconnected everything is linked um which is what the stranger and and tan house also talk about how you know repeated cycle and that you know this show seems to be falling into the category of you know things are fated to happen all right cool well great discussion and you know i think it's time to move on to some listener feedback and hear what fred has to say so let's take a listen Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Dark Season 1, Episode 8. Fred's tip of the week. Um, I was looking out on IMDb and stumbled over a trailer, uh, which immediately gave me a dark or counterpart uh, impression. It's about uh, the film Suspiria. Uh, The lead lead role is played by Dakota Johnson, which I like a lot. And in that trailer, I also got a glimpse of somebody I thought I recognized. And it, I was right. It's uh, Angela Winkler, uh, who plays Ines Kahnwald uh, in Dark, so the 2019 version. Suspiria will have its world premiere on the 1st of November. Uh, it's a supernatural horror film and a remake of a 1977 film uh, with the same name. Its plot follows an American woman who enrolls uh, at a dance academy in Berlin, uh, which is plagued by unusual occurrences. Okay, about Dark. First off, I raised a question in the previous podcast about why Jonas didn't take pictures with his smartphone back in 1986. We all agreed that uh, he probably doesn't want to have anything in his possession that proves his time travel. He even burns his father's letter for it. I found your reaction a little strange, talking about timestamps and cell towers. Come on, guys. What do timestamps matter when you have a nice, secretly taken digital picture of all the school kids, including, for instance, your own mother at the teenage uh, age? How would you explain all those 1986 teenage phases Uh, on a smartphone photograph. Second point. Dave said he thinks that the dead kid Helga pulled out of the bunker could be Yasin. And damn right you are, Dave. Again, by its clothes it's not Matt's for sure. Matt's had a yellow shirt with the text Nuclear nuclear energy, no thanks, uh, but then in German. And it's not Eric Obendorf uh, uh, either, because he was wearing a somewhat... Uh, more purple shirt and he has red hair 
But when you look at the clothes of Yasin uh, at the end of episode 4, they indeed match the clothes of the dead kid Helge was pulling from the bunker. The man in the hooded raincoat that Yasin encounters in the woods in episode 4 says, You must be Yasin. Noah sent me. Just before this guy meets Yasin, Yasin finds one of these little uh, acorn puppets. What, what do these actually mean? We see them everywhere. Ulrich also finds one on Helga's nightstand in the clinic. I'm quite sure th- the guy uh, Yasin encounters and says Noah sent me is Helga. Uh, the raincoat is exactly the same uh, he is wearing then as when he is pulling uh, Yasin's body away from the bomb shelter. So my conclusion is, is that Helga is, one, uh, is the one that is working for Noah. Uh, and it's probably also Helga that puts Eric Obendorf in the electric chair uh, in episode 1. The two dead children that are found uh, at the construction site of the new nuclear plant in the beginning of this episode, so episode 8, are Jessin Friese and Eric Obendorf. Clothes, skin color, hair color, skull form, it all fits. I posted this analysis on the Facebook page. Third point. Uh, Dave, I don't know why you think that the date Noah writes down on the wall of the bunker in uh, 1953, so November 9th, is in a different handwriting as the November 5th that's already written on the wall. I think it's just uh, a little bit wider and it's the same handwriting. Um, I will send you a screenshot uh, to check. Fourth point. I won't listen to your spoiler zone, as you can understand. I actually like the fact that uh, it had been quite a while since the both of you have seen the show, because it makes you guessing what comes ahead feel real. Wayne admitted to have binged the last three episodes now, uh, because of the spoiler zone. Actually a pity, I think. I hope you will keep it spoiler free. On the other hand, I trust you fully on that. But... Also, still spontaneous, guys, and that would be a little more difficult if you just have seen the last three episodes. Okay, about episode 8. As I promised, I posted a new relationship chart or family tree on the Facebook page. This helps you understanding the 1953 Winden setting. At the end of episode 8, the chart contains no further spoilers. Also, the wall with the pictures old Claudia Tiedemann is looking at helps uh, in knowing who is who. How do we know it's Claudia? Because we see a set of pictures in which she is herself. I waited with my posting of this chart because I didn't want to spoil anybody for episodes 1 till 7. But actually the picture wall, uh, which has a lot of the same information, was already shown in episode 1 and was actually the very first scene of the whole series, so you already could know that. If you look at how old Claudia is dressed and you compare this to the stranger, she could even be from the future, or at least be in the future. So, is it 2019 or is it even 2052? On the other hand, we also see hand grenades and a machine gun on those shelves and jerry cans with petrol or whatever pulled, uh, piled on the floor. Are these World War II remnants and are we in 1953? I think this is not the same bomb shelter 
as the one uh, at the Doubler Cablin. I will not go into the watch, uh, watchmaker's uh, detail uh, into detail what the watchmaker tells the stranger because I really have to rewatch the episode uh, to grasp what he is saying. Some short remarks on Ulrich's adventures. I hadn't expected he would travel as well uh, in, in time, although from the point he understands that the dead kid is in the woods is his brother Matt, he is, was a likely candidate. After Sigmundus Creatus Esdor, he takes the left tunnel, where Jonas took the right. Is this simply the difference in landing up in 1953 or 1986? And if yes, could you directly go from 1986 to 1953 without passing the door? 3. Horrible what he did to young Helga. Obviously, Helga did survive since we saw him uh, with his bleeding ear at the beginning of episode 7 in the Doubler's bomb shelter in 1986. Why was he not successively uh, used for the experiments? Probably because Noah or his 1986 self needed him to survive. I understood all the pictures on the wall, but there is just one line, well actually it's a thread of course, that I don't understand. It connects the watchmaker uh, H.E. Tannhaus with Charlotte. Furthermore, I noticed that the picture of the stranger is not next to that of Jonas. Does this mean that it's not future Jonas, as everybody expects? Young Helga is using pine cones as hand grenades in this episode. Is this a reference to the real hand grenades that are laying uh, in the cellar uh, where old uh, Claudia and the picture wall is? Then perhaps it is the same bomb shelter after all, but it's not f the same wreck, that's for sure. When Helga is playing there, it's after Noah scrubs the floor, because Helga sees the dates written on the wall. So Noah is not cleaning up Helga's blood, but something else. Okay, very quickly my questions. In which year does old Claudia Tiedemann look at the picture wall? I don't think it's 1986, but is it 2019, 1953 or 2052? 2. What is the connection between the watchmaker and Charlotte Doppler? 3. Why is the picture of the stranger on Claudia's picture wall not next to that of Jonas? Or is he not future Jonas? 4. Why do they dump the dead kids in other time periods, like the 2019 Jessin and Eric back in 1953 and the 1986 Mads in 2019? 5. What the heck are those wounds on Tronto's arm? Looks a bit like cigarette burns. 6. Will Ulrich return to 2019 and what will he tell people there? So, that was all guys, uh, actually too much. Perhaps I should start my own podcast. I'm just joking. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, so Fred's calling me out on uh, why he shouldn't be taking photos in 1986 or, or why, you know, it... it it's not going to matter because I bring up the whole timestamp thing, but you know, Fred, you got a valid point, but I guess the one thing, and I mentioned this about all work in 53, you don't want to draw attention to yourself. So pointing this cell phone, which, 
you know, in 86, I don't even think people have flip phones yet, let alone. No. Oh, no. Like the, I mean, the, I think cell phone technology was around then, but it's like you had like the, um, the, the huge battery that you'd have to carry like on your shoulder and then the phones would be like almost like walkie talkie, huge sizes. So, right now the next thing I want to bring up and Fred, I'm sure you're an outstanding geneticist, but damn, you would make a fine detective because <laughs> as I said, the, the detailed screen caps that Fred sends us verifying that it is Yassin being pulled out of the bunker in, in that earlier scene. Uh, again, just, uh, I just can't thank you enough. As I said before, we got to figure out how to get them out to the community and on the Facebook group, but I'm sure we can figure that out. Um, yes, Wayne agrees with you, as he said last week about the handwriting on the wall being the same. And, and again, in retrospect, looking at it again, uh, I think, you know, Fred says that it was probably just a different size piece of chalk that he was writing with. And, and that certainly makes sense. We absolutely will continue to keep the main discussion spoiler free. Unfortunately, we only got two left. And then, <laughs> right. Um, now, Again, as we were just saying, I don't know what to make about the grenades and the petrol. Old Claudia has me stumped as well, location of the photo board. But Fred brings up whether or not she's in the future future, not even 2019. Is is there another future that we haven't seen? So that's what makes that scene so great is that we really don't have a clue what it is we're looking at. So, yeah, yeah, that boils down to we have really absolutely no idea. Except for, I mean, the big takeaway is that Claudia is in the picture, right? Like yeah. Claudia is still around after 1986, and you know, well after because she's you know a lot older than she is in 86. Um, but yeah, like, is there something beyond? 2019 now the only thing is this whole idea of the you know the the trinity knot and the 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 three dimensions that Tanhouse talks about this would then say that there's some fourth aspect and then therefore is there a you know we we only see the two tunnels right the one leading to 86 and the one leading to to now to 53 you know is there another cave is there, you know like it just uh, as this show answers questions, it it brings up like about twenty thousand others. Well, well, you know, and and uh, Fred's got a few questions we'll we'll look at in a second. But you know, you mentioned the Trinity knot and the three dimensions: the past, the present, and the future. But that doesn't mean we're limited to only three timelines. And and as you said, and, and Fred mentions in, in you know in the feedback that the left tunnel seems to go to nineteen fifty three. And the right tunnel seems to go to 1986. They're both reached from 2019. But are there other connections that can be made? And I guess when we see old Claudia, then, you know, the wheels start turning. And, and, you know, when Fred says, is she perhaps in the future future? But he also brings up whether or not there's a connection between Charlotte and Tanhouse. And I, I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily see one yet at this point that uh, a connection that I'm making because we we certainly, I mean, I'm not sure yeah. what it would be. No, yeah, I don't know. 
Okay. Now, the other thing, and, and Fred gives us a little picture of the, of the photo board and the placement of the stranger's photo seems to imply to him that he's not future Jonas. I, I'm just going to go with the fact that I haven't seen anything other than that, and that's not enough to make me think that the stranger is not future Jonas. So in other words, I'm still convinced stranger is future Jonas. Right. Well, and the show certainly is, you know, pushing us in that direction. But again, they could be messing with us, right? Like, you know, it's, it's possible that they are um, making us believe that, the, you know, strongly suggesting that the stranger is future Jonas and then, you know, kind of pull the rug out from us later. And here's a little hint that, oh, maybe, you know, the stranger is not Jonas, now, he also brings up a, a, a great question. Why dump kids in other time periods? Is it to prompt a reaction from someone else? And that's my line of thinking. And I'm really going back to what you've always said all along about Ulrich traveling back there to really be the catalyst for a lot of these things. I, I, other than that, I don't know. I mean, that just seems to be what makes the most sense for for dumping them in other time periods because i you know i guess if they dump them in their own time period the fear is that the evidence would lead back to the perpetrator but which is valid as well right absolutely if if like if from a basic standpoint like you just said if you dump the body in the same time period in which it is killed then it's then it's possible to you might be found out as the the killer whereas if you put the body into a different time uh where it doesn't belong there's no way to link that body to anyone who's actually dead so there's no way to actually you know follow any kind of investigation here but i'm like i, I talked about last time like and you said i i firmly believe that especially like ulrich like all these things like if you think about the when each of these bodies are found, it causes Ulrich to follow a particular path of action then. You know, he realizes that the the body in 2019 is Mads, which basically leads him to Helge, which leads him to the caves. He goes to the caves and finds out there's uh, two dead bodies at the site, which leads him to the police, which leads him to Helge. Actually, all these paths mean is Ulrich finding Helge right so it just it really seems like the the bodies and where they are laid are kind of like you know meant to to spur Ulrich to a particular path and then that leads right into Fred's last question will Ulrich return to 2019 and if so what will he tell people and I think of course he is going to return to 2019 and what will he tell people? I think he'll tell them nothing. On the other hand, this is Ulrich. So who the hell knows what he's going to say? I got to believe he's going to keep his mouth shut. But I think you nail it right there. Like when you're talking to Ulrich, who knows, right? He, he is a loose cannon to say the least. There's absolutely no idea when he gets back to his own time period what he will do then all right well fred great stuff as always and that's going to lead us into the spoiler zone so if you have not seen episodes nine and ten 
stop here, turn off your iPad, turn off your cell phone, however you're listening to this podcast. But as always, dude, I'm going to rely on you because I have not rewatched nine and 10 yet. And my memory is still a little fuzzy on a lot of the details. So uh, what do you want to bring up this week? Okay. Well, uh, first of all is, uh, Claudia, I think, yeah. In the next episode, I believe she's going to just pop up and she's going to introduce herself to Bartosh. It's because she's his grandmother. So, you know, she is what we just see in the glimpse here, uh, which and actually you could easily miss. Like I probably the first time I saw this completely missed like this whole thing with the old. I don't remember this bit with Claudia in the cave. But anyway, so, you know, and we're going to find out that she's uh, like a soldier in some kind of war and everything. And we mentioned that, um, you know, it, ultimately that last scene is Jonas uh, is in the future. So there is a link to... What what year is that? Twenty nineteen and thirty three is twenty fifty two. Twenty fifty two, right? Um, so we assume that that's when it is with like the Terminator, like drone ships and everything, and uh, the apocalyptic, post apocalyptic armies and everything. So it seems like that's where now you would say, well, you know, Claudia would be impossibly old then, but in time travel, you can go there and back. Now I just I can't. The one thing I really can't remember is how Jonas gets to the future. Well, I don't either. But but to answer the the point you were making a, a second ago, it, it's also possible that the nineteen fifty three version of one of these characters could go straight to twenty fifty two, and would then be in twenty fifty two at a much younger age than you know, assuming they only traveled from twenty nineteen. Right. Right. But. Um, so yeah, but you know, Claudia not being a part of this show really hardly at all up to this point. Now you know she's going to be a huge part of it um, for the last two episodes. So so there's uh, that. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, uh, obviously we know with the machine that it is the stranger's intention to destroy the wormhole, but he actually, uh, as Noah said, Noah wants the stranger to go and set off the machine because uh, I believe the wormhole is created by the stranger's action. So it's, he is like, you know, we talked about before by trying to change the past, you're actually creating it, you know, again, thus the world is created. You know, he goes and sets this machine off and that actually creates the wormhole rather than destroying it, which is kind of actions are predetermined. You can't change it. Yeah. No matter what you do, the same thing's going to happen. Absolutely. Which also might explain, you know, the future soldiers anger with Jonas and, you know, again, knocking him out or hitting him with the butt of the rifle. They might be a little pissed at him because of his actions in the past slash future slash past. Well, so a question that's not, we don't get the answer to, but what I wonder is, is uh, Regina Tronte's daughter? Um, okay. and, and that's 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 not a spoiler because that's just there, there's there's no answer to that. But just uh, you know, we we see the the relationship between Claudia and Tronte from an early age, and there as you know, as far as we can tell, there's no 
uh, you know, husband, that Claudia doesn't have a husband and she doesn't, you know, she's retained her, her father's name, her father's last name. Right. So, um, right. And I think we've learned from some of the listeners that that's not uncommon in Europe to, oh. you know, okay. as opposed to say in the U S where generally speaking, the wife takes the husband's last name, although, you know, even that's changing as well, but sure. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, that's I don't a good I, thought. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. And I don't, you know, whatever there's somewhere, they might go somewhere with that and everything. Yeah. Oh, and, um, well, I, again, there's, we, we don't get any kind of answer to this as far as what happens, but we know that, um, I, I can't, I, you know, like, again, like it's been a couple of weeks since I watched these, the last couple of episodes. So I, I feel like they, we get someone tells Egon something about like his wife left him or something like that. Um, and, you know, again, are we seeing the early stages of that? Uh, there's clearly um, a developing relationship between her and Agnes. Will that go further? Uh, again, neither of these characters is around, as far as we can see, in 86. So, again, that could mean a lot of things. But uh, certainly they're not old enough that they would we would expect that they would be dead um, in 86. So, you know, is there something, you know, I, I, I mean, I, there's, as, as you know, there's definitely something between Agnes and, uh, Frau Doppler. Um, yes. So just where that goes, we don't know. You want to leave it there? Uh, I think so. All right. Oh, oh, oh yeah. the, the last thing I'm sorry, is that, uh, Claudia will be reunited with Gretchen, right? Oh, she, she's in, in 86. She'll go down into the cave and there's Gretchen. She's going to be like Gretchen. <laughs> And she brings her back out. So uh, though we are sad for young Claudia, she will ultimately be uh, reunited with her dog. And so there's a little happy ending to the story of Gretchen. It's just going to take a while. Yeah, it's going to take 33 years. But, you know, so. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Uh, great discussion. Great feedback. And that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Dark. Anything else going on in Sci-Fi TV? Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can get on the website. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 9 of Dark, titled everything is now but until then well dave tomorrow i'm going back to school and back to the room that you were in for 20 some years and still students are probably going to come around asking for you and what happened to you and i'll tell them the old must give way to the new most folks hate that